0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land.
1: Welcome to our Texans postgame show, Texans and Cowboys. Robert Land, along with my co-host, Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And if you're new to the party, we have 45 years in journalism between the two of us. 35 covering Houston sports. Sean's out at NRG Stadium every day of the week, practically covering the Texans. So you're in really good hands. And Sean, the Texans looked like a real Football team today. This is what a real football game looks like in Houston.
0: Yeah, but they did things not even NFL teams that I can remember have really ever done in a game, uh, and that's rotate quarterbacks. I mean, the last time I saw any team do this aside from high school, it was Sam Houston State University uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and they had two really good quarterbacks. I hadn't seen that before, and I certainly wasn't anticipating as such today. I asked Lovey Smith leading into this game earlier this week that. If there was an opportunity for Jeff Driscoll to be activated, that happened yesterday. Uh, But specifically, I asked him if Mills struggles at any point in time this game um, or down the last four or five games of the stretch of the season, can we see Driscoll? And he gave me some blanket statement, and I bet he's probably laughing his butt off now because I, I think that was the only one to even ask about Driscoll at all this week. And so whatever they did today, game plan wise, I'd be interested to know when they decided to put that in, if it was Wednesday when they typically get a game plan in or if it was later in the week. But um, it certainly put the Cowboys back on their heels and it worked long enough and good enough to keep them in a game and give them another opportunity to legitimately win for the first time in, in, in weeks and weeks and weeks. So it was it was really kind of a fun, interesting, wild, wacky game, a microcosm of what the NFL has been all season long, really.
1: And the thing is, it's not just that they brought in a quarterback and they were flipping quarter. It was just the fact that you went out there and you tried to do something different. It it looked a lot like the same old Texans in ways, but at least this was something different. And I just want to remind everybody, if you're out there, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think. Subscribe on our YouTube channel. If you're not watching us on YouTube already. Uh, You can comment as well if you go over to YouTube and you find our link. Uh, We're live right now, obviously, and so we want to hear from you what you thought about this game. We're going to get to comments in just a bit, but Sean, let's just start off with this game and the the first possession of the game. Texans with no resistance on the Cowboys' first drive. They walk it down the field. This looks like it's going to be the same old deal. Nine plays, 76 yards, Pollard 11-yard touchdown run. Didn't even get touched till he was at the two. Then typical Texans offense two vanilla runs up the middle. They go nowhere. Screen pass third and nine. Pathetic. Nothing changes. But then they luck out with a fumbled punt. Uh, I think it was Blake Cashman recovered and Sean the just activated Jeff Driscoll. You just mentioned it. He comes in at QB and as a Texan fan, you're like, oh, what's this? This is new. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. It, at that point in time, I immediately thought of the Rams and what they did with Walford the other night. You know, they'd started him and they let him hand the ball off three straight times before going to Baker Mayfield. Um. And so that was in my mind. I was like, well, maybe we're going to see Driscoll the entire game. And I had no idea that, um, you know, a Pep Hamilton, you know, coordinated offense was going to be able to handle the flip flop back and forth between Mills and and Driscoll, but that's exactly what they did. And I thought, um, you know, again, they went to mills at some unique times as the game grew a little bit older and older. And I know we'll get to that, but um, on that particular drive, I mean, you know, Damian Pierce was kind of freed up. The offensive line was freed up to kind of do what they do when really times were good. And Damian Pierce was running the ball with a lot of success about a month or so ago. Um, And That that was kind of the element that I was most impressed with, most proud of, is that you know Jeff Driscoll, I think the first time that he had the opportunity is he kept the ball and got a four, five, six-yard gain. And what that immediately does to a defense is it makes you respect the fact that he's going to run, that they think they can run with him, and it frees up Damian Pierce, and it really opens up the offense. Um, And you really saw that um, come to fruition uh, in this game. So I was really impressed with that.
1: Yeah, our old uh, co-host, Stephen Kerr, on the on the uh, comments, and we caught that one. Uh, he he was excited like we were that it was actually a competitive game, and it's pretty much, you know, after that fumble, it's the Damian Pierce show, four carries. Uh, he gets the one-yard touchdown. It inspires the defense. They look solid on a quick three and out, and the Texans get the ball back. They go back to Mills. So we start to see the pattern here, and on this drive, there was a long reception to Chris Moore. Where can we do get to Chris Moore? and a little bit down the road, but the Cowboys challenged because the Texans were way too slow to snap the ball. Looked like the refs could have called it incomplete, but Sean, I would give anything for this franchise to have a quarterback coaching staff and brains smart enough to know when and how to quickly get off a play when you need to, when you know that challenge is coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, it is it is really obvious, and this is not the first time that something like this has actually happened this season. The Texans have kind of had a blunder uh, like this a couple of times. Um, you know, that particular play to more today, though, that catch, I really didn't think it was a catch, to be honest with you, and it's based on what we'd seen uh, under the catch rule previously in a lot of games over the years. I just didn't think, you know, the ball hit the ground, You know, the old adage, did the ground help you catch the ball, maintain control? The ball moved enough out of his hands to actually make contact with the ground. I didn't think it was a catch just judging by, again, what we've kind of come to understand as much as possible what a catch is. But I'm glad it stood up because that turned out to be one of the bigger plays in the game. It set up the uh, Texans for a field goal, um, gave them the ability to take their first lead of the game and uh, Chris Moore, man, I know we'll talk about him, but what a game today. I mean, after that first reception I think he had, I think it was his first reception where he bobbled it in the backfield on that little screen pass, I was like, okay, you know, this is typical Texans. But then Mills and Moore connect on a bomb like that, and you just kind of raise your eyebrows, and you're like, man, the NFL is wild and wacky. Let's see what the Texans can do with this thing today.
1: Yeah, and if anybody missed the news, which – I can imagine you're missing Texans news these days because they're not getting covered a whole lot. Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, both out for this game. So it was a lot of Chris Moore. I'm going to get to his numbers a little bit later. They ran the ball up the middle three times on third. or Well, they ran the ball up the middle on first down, and then and they ran it again. And then on third and long, they ran it again. So it was, you know, while the play calling was a little bit more varied this game, there was moments like that one where the conservative play calling is back to where it once was. But, you know, if you want the first pick in the draft, you got to do these type of things. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, they
0: could have excused this one away completely today. I mean, they could have won won this game and not messed around with uh, it affecting their number one overall pick status. I I really believe that. Even as bad as the Colts um, have been and, um, you know, how far they've kind of slid since Jeff Saturday's, you know, first game, first win as head coach of that franchise. Uh, three weeks ago now, I mean, they're bad, but they they could have slipped up and won this game and played a complete football game, which really this was the most complete football game. Again, um, they got huge contributions defensively. Malik Collins, you know, to this point already early in the game, he would kind of imposed his will as part of that defensive line. I thought um, really after that first offensive series for the Cowboys, Robert, I thought the Cowboys could have run it for 300 yards easy today. And they just went on a passing spree and really took the wind out of their own sails and could have imposed their will very early, um, you know, on the ground with that combination of Elliott and Pollard. Why they didn't do that, I don't know. Um, Sometimes coaches overthink things. They see a a soft coverage that the Texans were showing and have shown all season long defensively. And you think maybe you can take advantage of it. Um, I was just really surprised by that, but, I'm glad it did work out the way that it did uh, at the end of this one um, where you had a game. It was competitive. You were on the edge of your seat. You were just hoping some way, somehow they could pull it out.
1: There's been so many games this season where I'm just like, why, why aren't they running the ball against the Texans in the first half? They always yep. figure it out by the second half. The Cowboys didn't exactly figure it out by the second half, but the Texans run defense mm-hmm. was better as the game went along and we're going to get there. But, after a fair barren field goal, the Cowboys go back to gashing the Texans' D7, play 75-yard drive in less than three minutes. It's 14-10. to 10. And it kind of was wavering early in the game. Like, is the Texans' defense going to show up? Or are they not going to show up? Next Texans' drive. They keep flipping between Mills and Driscoll. Levy goes for it on fourth and two. Pierce is stopped a couple of feet short. But, Sean, in this situation, and then at the end of the game, I don't care if they go for it. You've got nothing to... I know people are going to get mad. Oh, they shouldn't have gone for it late in the game. That wasn't necessarily the thing to do and blah, blah, blah. Go for it on fourth down as much as you want. They've got nothing to play for. Let's have fun, at least, you know?
0: Yeah, um, we'll get to the one at the late in the game, but refresh my memory where Pierce got stopped in the first half. Where was the ball? Where did they decide to go for it?
1: Yeah, it was. they were ar- around the... 42 maybe they were between the 40 and the 50 and it was that play where pierce that's reaches okay, yeah. out at the last second and he's like a, a couple of feet short yeah. if he was able to stay keep his balance and stay on his feet you know i think he gets there yeah. um it, it, you know and, and i never have an issue with them giving the ball to pierce on a short yard situation no I, mean, I, no
0: I mean and that's something they hadn't done uh, earlier in the season, you know, through that first month where Pierce wasn't on the field in those particular situations alone, the highest leverage situations, whether it be early in games or even later in games, it took the Texans a month before they even played Pierce um, inside of the six minute mark in a fourth quarter or overtime. And so, you know, as kind of the season has gone along, whatever Pierce needed to improve on, whether it be um, you know, changes at the line, just kind of getting his mind right, getting used to the offensive flow, if in fact there were very many changes to get used to, if it was blitz pickup, pass protection, whatever the case may be, um, he obviously did that. I didn't have a problem with them going for it at any point today, to be quite honest with you, and I know we'll get to it, but the one late in the game to me made the absolute most sense. And the run right there that you're talking about after the nice Driscoll run that set that up um was – you know, the fact that, hey, you know, Damian Pierce looked like he had a lot of extra juice. He had a lot of pinup energy. He was running with some anger today. Um, We saw that pretty early on. And I think, again, it was all set up by the just the element. You know, I've been on this all season long where you as an offense have to make the defense think for a millisecond. And if you force them to think and make a decision, it affects their feet, it affects their body position, it affects their eyes, it changes everything. A millisecond matters. A second matters in this game. You talk about a game of inches, it, it's a game of reaction. And that was just a really great play. I forget what Cowboy made that tackle, but they were able to get pierced um, by the knee or the ankle, which really forced him to go to the ground and have to reach out for that. But I loved, loved the second and third efforts today by Chris Moore by Damian Pierce, by Jeff Driscoll. I love the energy, the juice that the Texans played with, and it was all exemplified early on by runs like that, whether you got it or not.
1: Yeah, and VJ, his comment is, we've got a lot of good draft picks coming our way. We can't have these guys waste these picks and not develop them. Vijay, not happy with, you know, he wants to get rid of Lovey and Pep Hamilton. We've talked all about Casario. Go back to our last post game. we had a... And actually, you can just go to the clip because I have it up on the YouTube page about our thoughts on Casario at this point. And we're going to dive deeper into Casario as we get into the offseason. We kind of take a look back at the year. But, you know, I, I don't know about Casario. We're, we're, we're not real sure about that one. But, I mean, Levy and Pep Hamilton, there, there's no debate or argument with that at this point. Um, at least, though, we saw some changes from them, but it's taken way, way too long. So after the fourth down stop, there's a couple of three announced Then Tremont Smith with an interception on an MJ Stewart tip pass. Uh, the first of two Tremont Smith interceptions that sets up Jeff Driscoll to Amari Rogers, 28 yard touchdown. I'm going to say that name again, Sean, Amari Rogers, his first catch as a Texan and it's a touchdown.
0: Yeah. It was a hell of a catch by the former green Bay Packer on that one. I thought an excellent job by Jeff Driscoll to roll out, extend the play. He looked dead in the water a couple of times. Uh, During that sequence and really just made an incredible throw uh, to Amari Rogers, who, you know, after after watching what we all did, presumably, um, whether it was live or you just saw the highlights what Baker Mayfield was able to pull off with the uh, Rams this week on Thursday night football and being in a system and practicing with a team for not even two days. Why? For the life of us, you know, could, Eno Benjamin and Amari Rogers, who have both been in the system for three weeks and we'd seen, you know, other corners and receivers um, come through the Texans this season and had been in-house for two, three, four weeks at a time. You know, whether it's Tyron Johnson or Tyler Johnson, they never played a meaningful snap of, uh, for this team offensively. And in three weeks and you finally get a chance to see what Amari Rogers could do. And who knew it would be from the arm of Jeff Driscoll. I mean, that was just a a really great play overall. Great throw, great catch, great sequence.
1: And it's not like Amari Rodgers changes your season or any of these guys. But you want to be Mm. able to evaluate them. And the longer you wait not playing them, the less sense it makes. And Amari Rodgers, four catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown in this game. So the Texans, they drive down for a field goal at the end of the half. A couple nice plays by Petrie. Incredible day for him. Good coverage by Petrie on third down, forced the field goal. Uh, I think it was like 12 tackles or something by Petrie in this game. But with 40 seconds left, the Texans shocked me by actually doing what normal teams do, Sean. And they went for a quick drive for points, even more shocking. Mills 43 yards, five plays, sets up a Fairbairn 50-yard field goal. The Texans up three at the half with 20 points. And keep in mind, they scored more than 20 in a game yeah. just once this year. In a game, it was more points than they had scored in <clears throat> nine of their 13 games in just the first half.
0: Yeah, last time I think they'd scored uh, more than 17 points in a game was week six or week seven this season. So, um, yeah, very, uh, very good decision by the Texans there. Again, you know, there has to be this feeling Um, when you get to a point in the season where questions for weeks now have been about morale, how do you keep this team engaged? How do you keep, um, you know, kind of pushing forward and trying to pull together? You can't just give up because of your record. I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of what the organization wants, you still have to do your job as a coach. You still have to try to get the players to do their jobs as players and play to the best of their ability. And so you have to have this element of we're going to do whatever it takes on the biggest stage. I thought it was interesting this last week, particularly on Friday, Lovey Smith, who has a sit down with us without any cameras, without any microphones, talked about, hey, uh, there's high school football still going on, right? Aren't they getting ready to play for a state championship? Ah, state champions, he said. That's what we want to be this week. We want to be state champions, you know, and I, I, I don't know if that was kind of like a thing that he maybe used, um, you know, in, in talking and preparing his players this week, but there is a little something, regardless of the record, regardless of the state of your organization, that this team does take pride in when you get a chance to play an in-state rival for, you know, the first time in four years, and you only get a chance to do it twice in the decade, you know, things like that. You have to try whatever you can, and I thought maybe that was kind of a the impetus for the reason why we saw them come out today and play so well. And you know what? The fact that the the Mills Driscoll combo worked early and you saw the 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 benefits of that, that adds a little bit of juice to the players as well. They start thinking like, you know what, we could do something here. And so you saw it. They got contribution special teams-wise defensively, offensively. They continue to Um, you know, move the ball, move the chains, and keep the Cowboys on their heels in this one. So I I thought um, that was a huge, huge deal for the Texans to take that lead at that point in time ahead of halftime. I still thought they kind of botched that possession a little bit. I thought they could have really had another shot and really tried to go for a touchdown if the timing was handled a little bit differently.
1: Baby steps, Sean. Baby steps. Come on, man. Hey, they actually tried to get points, which is for me... The, and and Davis Mills looked like a a professional NFL quarterback in that drive and i i, I will get to the drive the last you know <clears throat> Hail Mary drive of the game with Davis Mills cuz you know i just some stuff that i just didn't get on that one but let me just say this Jalen Petrie i i mentioned him just briefly a few yeah. seconds ago yeah. Petrie with the big game he he he's in the right spots it still drives me up a wall Sean that so many times he's tackling with his shoulders. He doesn't even use his arms. I understand when he's trying to hit somebody with his shoulder. It's, it's a receiver. He's trying to b- jar the ball loose. But against running backs, you're not going to get the you're you are not going to get the ball loose with your shoulders against running backs. You got a better sh- chance to wrap and use your arms and and swipe down than you do trying to knock a running back over with your shoulders, especially these elite guys like Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard. It just drives me nuts. And I'm like, who is correcting this? At some point, he's now in the NFL. This is high school, college. At some point, you would think somebody would teach you form tackling. It's it's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this for
0: years and years and years in the NFL. I mean, form tackling, what? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's the da-na-na, da-na-na um i I get what you're saying i didn't even think to even make mention of that in my notes until the final defensive possession of this ball game when the cowboys were driving and i made a note And since it's relevant here i'll go ahead and share with you what i said and i said man i'd like to see petrie use his damn arms on those hits he's taking tools away from himself and getting the ball out it's one thing to be there at the right time but it's a completely other thing when you're using everything in your power, if it's your arms, if it's your hands, if it's your helmet, whatever, in an effort to get that ball out. And it was that play, the the throw on the right sideline where he hit it perfectly. I think it was Schultz or if it was Lamb, but who knows? It didn't have to go down as a catch. He could have knocked that out. The timing was perfect. Is this something
1: that you can ask him about in the locker room? Is it worth that? Yeah, 100%. I, yeah. would love to, I would love to hear what he has to say about it. Um, first drive of the second half, Pierce fumbles, but the Texans defense has Pierce's back. They stuffed the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott on fourth and goal at the one. Desmond King, Jonathan Owens, and Christian Harris didn't even let him get back to the line of scrimmage right there.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible goal line stand. And another Petrie moment, you know, I mean, he was playing like a mofo today. Uh, the physicality that he was bringing. I mean, I thought, you know, at that point in time, um, I, I kind of, you know, they showed the replay of that goal line stand, and I said, boy, they feel him. They know he's there. He, maybe for the first time all season, has really imposed his will and made an offense feel his presence because of the big hit, because of the fear of the turnover, because... He's kind of mature. This is the second straight game, Robert, since he'd struggled for really about a week with the missed tackles, getting picked on in the red zone, giving up the most yardage at his position, um, yards after catch all season long up until last week he's really kind of stepped his game up and is playing better in space and identifying what is in front of him. He's feeling the players around him more. I thought that was another really good possession by not just that defensive line, but Petrie in general.
1: Yeah, Desmond King and Jonathan Owens and Christian Harris, they were they were the three guys that were there. Owens, a couple of big plays for him. The one at the end of the game, although it did matter because the Cowboys scored, he jarred the ball loose uh, towards the end of the game and, and at least gave the Texans another chance to end the drive unfortunately we know it didn't happen between driscoll and mills we go to the next drive they go 63 yards 10 plays to set up a 54 yard fair fairbairn field goal the texans still looking professional still looking like they're wearing a suit and they're ready for the game today and the, the biggest play of the drive the two biggest plays the 24 yard run by pierce and a 14 yard mills to rogers pass on third and six and I I'm just curious Sean. You know, what's the thought on Rodgers? Like when when you saw them pick him up, is that somebody that has potential to, to be here next year as somebody that's competitive and can can actually do some things because, you know, honestly, you 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 had to be excited just in the short time that we saw him today what he could do. 100%. Um,
0: you know, I thought with Eno and Amari particularly, um both guys that have had um, some successes uh, elsewhere. You know, you're trying to get the best guys possible in house already, and getting used to the building, getting used to the locker room, getting used to the players. Um, regardless of who's going to be here or not, in just a few short months, um, it's all about evaluating and who can help you going forward. And look, they're they're veterans too. I mean, you need as many good guys, good competitive, hungry guys with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, that want to contribute in whatever way as many of those those guys as possible. So, yeah, Um, I was excited about it, and I was also frustrated over the course of the last three weeks, thinking, like, you know, WTF, like, why aren't these guys on the field? The most I've seen of uh, Amari is him catching, you know, BS meaningless punt returns in practice, you know. The one day that we get a chance to really see that uh, from a special teams, you know, outside of that, yeah, he's running the drills with the offensive or whether uh, with the uh, wide receivers, you know, on offensive drills and stuff like that. But, I mean, yeah, uh, I think today this is huge. This is the most important tape that he's probably been able to put together all season long because he wasn't getting a lot of reps in Green Bay. Eno, on the other hand, didn't put out the best showing today, But it came in a really weird kind of time. You know, he started getting most of his touches after Pierce went down, was already banged up with the ankle. He was going to come back out with it taped up. That didn't really work out too well. It really hindered what the Texans were able to do at a point in time. But uh, I I think at least today, it's a good springboard game for both of these guys over the course of the next last month. See what you really have in it, because it is about putting days together, weeks together, games together.
1: Yeah, and you know I didn't really feel like they had much blocking for him when he played. So the next drive the Cowboys go for a field goal. They get down there, they get a field goal, 23 to 10. The Texans and the Cowboys both with quick three and outs. And the Texans drive to the Cowboys 40, but on third and 5, Driscoll screen pass, batted down before it gets to the receiver and even before it got there. The I can tell the entire Cowboys defense would have been ready. I mean, you could see this one coming. From Mars and Jupiter with a pair of regular old binoculars, Sean. This is classic Texans. Just like let's let's tell everybody in the world the screen pass is coming on a on a third and five or a third and six. Um,
0: are you, that was the action, right? The uh, play action, and then the Driscoll screen pass to the right. Is that yeah?
1: The? Yeah, that's the okay. one.
0: So Mark Sanchez, uh, who is doing uh, analyst work on the game today, pointed that out immediately. And I thought I was crazy for a millisecond thinking that, wait, that seems like a really ridiculous designed play. Because if you wanted to throw that screen pass, fine. What made that screen pass unsuccessful was not the blocking, you know, on the exterior. It was the blocking on the interior. And your defensive end and your linebacker for the Cowboys were able to really bite down on that, not think at all, just react and go off of what the quarterback was doing. If in fact, and I think it was Eno, In the game at that point in time, if you would have had him to that play side and fake the action to the left, what Mark Sanchez made a point of in mentioning um, in his breakdown of that was that then Driscoll kind of becomes like a shortstop, you know, taking a double play ball from the first base side, stepping on the bag, pivoting his hips and just throwing to first. Well, that's all Driscoll had to do. You fake that motion right to left. So he's crossing face and then you make that throw that throw is available in that point in time because that end and that linebacker can't cheat down and get into the backfield. They have to squeeze and go down the defensive line, the line of scrimmage. So I thought that was just a horrible play design and really just one of the few hiccups today by Pep Hamilton in the offensive game plan. But it was certainly, to me, a costly one at that point in time.
1: Yeah, and and the thing is, it's not just a hiccup. It's the one that we've seen like a thousand times. But anyway, so Chris (laughs) Ward. Ends up downing the next punt following that at the one yard line. Again, more fantastic. 10 catches, 124 yards, you know, picking it up with no Brandon Cooks or Nico Collins dress. So then Tremont Smith comes up with his second interception of the game. Again, though, he gets a huge assist on the interception. The first time it was MJ Stewart. This time, Okoronkwo hits Prescott's arm, causes the interception. And Sean, he also, right before that, had forced a Prescott fumble that it felt like it was an hour and a half. The ball was sitting there and the Texans could have jumped on the ball. They couldn't quite recover. But, you know, you got it. Ocaron has come up with some plays towards uh, the end of games at times for the Texans. It goes unnoticed, though. you know, with the defensive pressure being so bad for the Texans for the most part.
0: Uh, you know, Okarakwo's uh, a guy of very, very few words, but he was made available to us a couple of times this season and actually this past week. Um, and, you know, ever since they'd put him into the starting lineup, I think it was Aaron Wilson that actually asked him the question and availability earlier this week and that, hey, you know, has that kind of given you a little bit more juice? Um, you know, are you a little bit more excited? Um, are you playing a little bit differently now that you're in that starting lineup? And Okaranko actually was like, well, yeah, you know, I'm excited about it. And, you know, um, I appreciate the effort that the the coaches, you know, saw in me and stuff like that. And they're giving me opportunity. Well, he's made the very best that opportunity. He's looking like the last two weeks, Robert, the version of Okaranko that we saw in the preseason. The guy was everywhere flying around I can pull up every single game that he played in this preseason the guy was just an absolute monster in the mix on every play in the backfield on every play he is a disruptor and I don't know why it took the Texans so long to utilize that from him um, because I think it's more about them in their personnel usage and schematically what they're allowing him to do versus just these players in these instances. And we could get into a whole nother conversation of exactly why that's been the case, but I think we all know why. Um, It was just really good to see him be such a factor today. And really the Texans with a lot of these players, particularly Okoronkwo, Petrie, and even Pierce, who started to kind of, you know, uh, have have a little success last week carry that over to this week. Put things together, fight through the adversity and really show out.
1: So, speaking of Damian Pierce, he gets injured, which is an issue because now wow. you've got the ball inside the 10-yard line, you don't have a lot of good options and it's fourth and goal from the 3. And I, I don't know if you want to go back to anything before that, but I just want to get your thoughts, Sean, on the decision to go for it up 3. On fourth and goal, I've already stated my position. I'm like, you know, let's just throw everything on the table because I don't care. You're not – you can't do anything this year. And then uh, the play call. What did you think about that too?
0: Uh, Okay, going for it, let's just talk about that. It made the most sense. Like why would you kick a field goal, go up six, and give the Cowboys extra time with better field position? Presumably, you know, if it's a kick – and it goes out of the back of the end zone, which Fairbairn and both of these kickers were doing on the regular today. Um, the Cowboys start from their 25-yard line with a clock. clock. Okay.
1: I guess the, the argument, so, I guess some would have, would be, okay, if you kick the field goal and they go down and score a touchdown, even if you only have 40 seconds like you did at the end of the first yeah. half, you would have a chance to come back and kick a field goal. You'd
0: have a chance to come back and kick a field goal. You obviously put it in the... The Cowboys have to do two things. They got to score a touchdown and they have to kick the extra point, okay, to go ahead instead of just, you know, tie after the touchdown. Yes. Fine. Uh, I get that, but you're 110 and one, man. I mean, you're right there. You're inside the five. You're so close. Just go for it. You Why can not? The Texans yeah. would have scored a touchdown on a couple of plays prior to that if, in fact, Tegan Quatoriano would have held his block when Pierce ran over the right side through the B gap. Tegan lost you know his guy on the inside and they made the play on pierce on that particular was play. it
1: P- pierce was out by then right uh, was maybe, the it was, maybe
0: it was Eno, okay yeah um it could have been rex i can't remember
1: I, well rex had a rex had a run at one point in that in that yeah. last sequence um
0: i i don't rex nowhere lost to tegan b on the block because so it was rex on the run i right, looking at my notes so they they could have scored there if Tegan holds his block. Didn't happen. No problem going for it. To me, it made mathematical sense. You are who you are kind of sense. Just do it. In terms of the play call, that's coming off of a timeout. And Driscoll, before the timeout, when they approached the line of scrimmage, were ready to run a play. Ball was snapped, and it looked like Driscoll didn't know what the hell was going on already. So there was already some miscommunication happening. Out of the timeout, more miscommunication. Was it on Driscoll? Was it on Rex? I don't understand. I mean, that's about as egregious of a thing as you can do out of a timeout in that particular situation. You have to make sure of one thing. It can be the crappiest play call ever, as long as all 11 guys are on the same page. Somebody was wrong. I don't know who it was. If it was Rex, then Driscoll made a hell of an attempt you know, to try and turn a negative into a positive play. If it was Driscoll, he still made a hell of an attempt to try and turn a negative into a positive play. Um, So I'll just give him that. I thought personnel-wise, no problem having Rex stay in the game in that particular situation because we'd seen him with success in the red zone and even score a touchdown in an instance about a month ago, okay? Uh, And that was a game at home, and I can't remember. It could have been the Eagles game. I'm not sure. Um, but just play design, whatever, I just think I, I, I'm i not going to go there. I just think it was poor communication until we find out exactly what happened, what occurred on that play, and what the reason was for it looking so bad. Um, I'm going to reserve kind of like judgment on that, but um, what I really like to see the Texans do, and they just kind of refuse to do it under this pep system, is goal line situations like that. Don't allow your defense, don't allow the defense to load up and anticipate run and clog it up. Spread it out, make them think you've got the right guy in their quarterback wise to do that. He'd done it all season long. All game long, rather. And now you're just going to load up and you're really limiting yourself in already a short field.
1: Yeah, and that's been an issue all year is because they love these tight packages and you know, <laughs> even if you don't have threats to move the guys defensively, they have to cover somebody that you put out on the edge. And it just makes no sense in today's NFL. Well, um, they, to do, you know, do what they're doing.
0: To, to be honest with you, I meant to get to this earlier, but I think it was on the Cowboys' uh, second or third series uh, where they were. It was it was the series early when the Texans got that goal line stand in the first half. The Cowboys did the same thing. They really they had an opportunity to impose their will still with their run game, even though the Texans were having success at that point in time and stopping it. The Cowboys decided to go tight at the goal line, and they got stuffed with Ezekiel Elliott trying to run, you know, inside zone. And if you're the Cowboys, I'm spreading that thing out, one, because I I just like that look in general on the goal line, whether you're going to run or pass out of it or show play action, that's one. But then two, I'm trying to take advantage of one of the worst tackling teams in the NFL, and I'm going to try to go outside zone or at least appear that I am. Maybe there's a cutback lane there set up off of a double-team block or whatever your scheme is offensive line-wise. But they didn't do that. They just said, "You know what? We're going to put our head down and we're going to run them right through your face." Well, they showed they could do that in the first series, but at that point in time, it's like again, make a defense think. In this point, in my example, make your Texans make the Texans' defense think, and they didn't do that. So I just thought like some interesting coaching decisions on both sides of the ball today.
1: Yeah, and the Texans are terrible at tackling, especially in the <laughs> middle. If you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna bring the the safeties in. Those are the best tacklers. Those are the guys that are in the right spots. Not always great tackling, like I said with Petrie, but at least the, the 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 safeties and the corners can tackle on the Texans a lot better than some of the other positions where you actually oh. expect it. Uh, last Cowboys game-winning drive. Any, any thoughts in particular on that drive? I mean, I mentioned that Jonathan Owens. You know, he he helped you out, gave you an extra down. I mean, otherwise, it just felt like it was. Your typical, you know, they were going to get the, the, they were going to get the touchdown one way or the other.
0: I just thought early in that, uh, in that drive by the Cowboys, the Texans really gave up too much in the intermediate. You know, Schultz was carving them up. Um, you know, a, a soft zone by the Texans. It really hasn't worked well for them. I mean, certainly beats beats the hell out of going press man. You know, we saw the, uh, uh God, who played the Rams the other night, the Raiders. You know, they got beaten press man late um allowed baker to you know find you know on two or three instances on his final drive uh solo receivers just beat their guy so look, going zone in that particular situation is something that you should do i I would just like the texans and maybe they just don't have the athletes i mean and i really kind of tend to believe that that is the case more times than not is you know the season they're 111 and one for a reason and they do have just a bunch of guys for the most part but um, I, I just like to see them tighten that up a little bit. You could play zone, but initially, you know, maybe just don't give up such a big cushion up the middle. Maybe have those backers drop back a, a little bit instead of, you know, your typical three, four yards. Maybe have them almost bail to about seven, you know, just clog or carry those intermediate routes into the secondary a little bit more. But, um, that was one. And then two, I thought when the Texans got that stop on the second and four and set up a third and one, The broadcast missed the damn play. You didn't see it on TV because the Cowboys went hurry up to the line. I couldn't even tell you what they ran. I just know they got about five, six, seven yards out of it on a third and one. That was that was the biggest deal to me. You know, the Texans had a timeout in their pocket, I believe, one or two of them. Use it at that point and kind of give your defense a chance to kind of take a breath and get loaded up again because they were getting gassed. Boom, boom, boom. Three, four straight plays to set that third and one up. You needed time. Um, and then Petrie. Petrie, I don't know who the receiver was. You know, Schultz was featured in this final drive. I think Lamb was featured in the final drive. Um, And there was another receiver that had caught a pass. But whatever ball was thrown on the right sideline, Petrie timed it perfectly, but it was all shoulders. If Petrie's able to get that right arm in there, maybe he's able to, you know, get a, a pass breakup on that instance. I can't remember the down distance, whatever the case it was. I just hate to see a guy, you know, waste an opportunity to create another one for your team, which the Texans did so well today. And Petrie was right there. It, it's almost like that little whip, you know, for a for a baseball player in the box. I mean, you talk about just that little bend. Instead of getting your swing really long, you're going to hit the ball far either way. But man, that little extra bend and timing that ball up in the box is. The difference between you know hitting a ball 400 or 450 feet and if Petrie could just get those arms involved get the hands involved because we know he's not afraid to hit and we know he's hitting his landmarks now the last few weeks create opportunities extra ones and see if he can knock some balls down that's what I would say
1: last drive I, I just want to mention it because mm-hmm. like I said Davis Mills I just don't understand him sometimes. It's like you you've got to get a touchdown to to now win the game, okay? You have no timeouts. Davis Mills on the first play with hardly any I, I I didn't feel like there was any need for this quickly, goes to the outlet running back for a for five yards or something who was covered and got knocked out of bounds immediately. I'm like, dude, I don't care if it's an incomplete or if it's intercepted or whatever, you have got to throw the, you don't have time. You don't have time. You don't have timeouts. You throw the ball down the field, give yourself a chance to win the game. And Davis Mills being scared in a game that you're probably losing anyway. is just like, this is why I just don't like him. The guy I think plays like a scared puppy, like when it's the first quarter or when it's the fourth quarter, he's always scared. The, I, I, that's why I was so amazed at what he did at the end of the first half where he actually looked like he was confident and he's throwing the ball down the field as opposed to a lot of the times where he's immediately looking for the five-yard or the dump down or the or whatever. I mean, part of it is obviously some design screens with Pep, but part of it is Davis Moses is a scaredy cat. Yeah, and that was
0: actually something that, um, you know, we covered with Lovey Smith and maybe it was even Pep Hamilton um, this past week. Um, during their availability is somebody asked the question um, in regards to Davis, you know, after being benched like this um, and then being named the starter again, what that does to him in those kinds of moments uh, are, are just, uh, you know, other higher leverage moments in a particular game. You know, is is he thinking a little bit too much now? Like, do you worry about him doing that and making a mistake? And if that was already the case before, is it exacerbated for, you know, and maybe trying to do too much and in fear of being benched again? And that was addressed. And it was like, well, you know, we hope not. And I can't remember who it was. It was either Pepper. It was Lovey. And I, I think it was probably Lovey. And he'd be like, well, look, you know, we hope not. Like we hope over the course of the last two weeks, you know, you've been able to kind of see some things that he's done well. It wasn't just about things that he wasn't doing well and correcting those. It's looking at the things that he was doing well and figuring out how we can put you in those situations more often. How can we continue to try and get the things out of you and what you do well in this scheme? And yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the, the smart ass and all of us are saying, well, you know, you don't have that much to choose from. But, you know, there are obviously things, and you saw some of those today where he is getting out in space. You saw bootleg from Davis Mills today. And, you know, those are things that was really set up by what Driscoll was able to do in the read option and, and that element that the Texans brought today. But it was still something that Davis, you know, a guy who ran a four, five, six, you know, 40 at the combine I mean, he's not a freaking slow dude, he's not a statue. Like, the guy can get out and run. You saw him do that today, he even broke his own ankles in the instance of trying to, you know, get a first down. But those are some things that he can do well, and I think that still has to be an issue. And it's innate, right? And in all of us, like, you get benched for making mistakes, maybe making a throw that you'd like to have back. You're gonna certainly think about that the next opportunity that you have to do that. It's just about a growth opportunity, and I think that's really why you saw Mills on that final drive for the Texans. It's like, hey, it's a good growth opportunity for him, but then two, what does he really do well? If he is forced out of the pocket, we know he can throw the ball pretty well on the run, and you saw it there with the big more completion to get him into Cowboys territory there, and from that point on, obviously, you know, is where he really kind of struggles.
1: Last point I'm going to make is – a little complaint on Damian Pierce and hopefully he's going to be okay. And we'll see him some more this year. Hopefully that wasn't a big injury, but he was walking around. I thought it would seem like it was real precautionary with him, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a little frustrated with Damian and this is where I think the difference of Damian Pierce being a good pro bowl running back and an elite like in the class of best in the NFL greats of all time running back. Damian Pierce, there are too many times where I see he decides he's going to go straight up the middle and into a bunch of traffic when there's like all of this space outside. And I I saw it, I think it was I want to say it was last week I saw him do it where I'm yelling at the TV like, "Man, why did, why are you running straight up the middle in between the tackles? I know he likes to get north and south, but there are times where you've got to you, you got to see the space And you got to go to the space because there's nobody there. And there was the play. um, I can't remember uh, when exactly it was. I think it might have been in the second half before he got hurt. But basically, there was there was a they had spread everybody out. It was this weird play where everybody was spread out, and there's basically three defenders on on the on the against the Texans offensive line. And the Texans, I don't think even had five guys in there. I, I think it was one of these weird plays where they just did that. And I'm like, Damien, just, just go outside because there's nobody there, because everybody was so far out around the hash marks. If he if he goes into that space, there's one guy behind that line. That's it. There was one guy on that on that second level. And and basically when he goes into that trash in the middle, you got all the defensive line can come off their, their offensive line and grab him, which they did, and he got nothing out of it. If he goes outside. He's got the one guy to beat. You should be able to make a move on one guy. You're Damian Pierce, or you should be able to run him over, but you see the guy coming and you make that, but boom, he's gone. And then there's nobody. He had all sorts of space there. And he's, I've Mm -hmm. seen him do this multiple times where he's, he, he gets tunnel vision of like, I'm supposed, they, they've told me to go in between the tackles or that is the way he likes to run. And he's like, I'm, I run straight ahead and I run people over. And sometimes, man, you got to get outside your box a little bit and make a play. Do, do the Barry Sanders thing and see what you can do with it. And he's got the moves, too. It's not like yeah. you can't do that either. No, I, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, there's really
0: two, two things there. Um, one, a guy who is so good through contact um, is, is probably going to gravitate towards more of that. He's looking to impose his will. And say my best is going to be better than your best. You're not ready for this kind of thing, and he thinks he can run through, you know, more contact than he does.
1: Right, but I'll if you continue to problem. run through contact, you also shorten your career too. Yeah,
0: and and look, that's something that I think you know he'll learn, um, and, and that can be that can be fixed. Okay, but there's also another element where you know you're looking and you're seeing one thing on on TV in in, in a coverage pre snap. And then there's the play. Um, and I'll just say this, you know, from a, you know, guy that used to coach offensive line for 10 years and coordinate an offense, run my damn play. You know, if, if you, if you go rogue and you think you see something and and you want to try to do something different, well, guess what? Those five guys in the offensive line, they think they're doing one thing. They don't know that you're thinking you're about to do another thing. And if you get caught. If a play is made on you and you deviated away from what we repped all week in practice in that particular situation, I'm going to whoop
1: your ass. (laughs) But but it's, but that play is so specific. You have spread out the defense. You have what you have one guy on the second level. You have hardly anybody in the middle. If you just, if you just go to the right of your right tackle, I'm not asking you to go 10 yards out because if you go 10 yards out, You're you're going into the guys that are all spread out on the right side. It's to me, it's it's that simple. There are times where there's nobody out there. You go to where there's nobody, nobody's at. If there's nobody there, that's in football, and you're a running back. That that is the best thing to do. It doesn't (laughs) it doesn't mean you're not running behind that particular guy. It just means I start to go, I start to go behind my say my right my right tackle and my right guard, and I and I just make a cut. And I go outside of them because I know, look, there's nobody there. It's, 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 it's blank space. How do you not go towards blank space in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, I, I get it.
0: And I, I can't really comment any further than, than what I had, because I, I need to see the play that you're actually talking about. But, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend either that there's not freelance on particular plays. You know, there's, there's a little bit of freelance um, in everything. It's, it's a reactionary sport. Um but, as a
1: as a coach, you're not complaining if Damian Pierce is standing in the end zone, though, are you? <laughs>
0: uh, well, I'll celebrate first and then chew some ass later. But uh, because you you don't want to create bad habits, you don't want to create an element of of distrust, and you don't want to put other guys in a particular situation, you know, um, when they're anticipating. You know, taking an inside zone step, whether it be left or right or an outside zone. Um, and they're, they're defend, the defenders are then showing them something completely different. Sometimes you can put a player in a position um, that could incur an injury. You know what I mean? So that that's kind of the only thing that, that I would really stress is like, hey, you know, I understand what you're seeing, but, you know, let's trust our blocking. You know, let's, let's trust the play design because it was actually a look that, that we really like that we really wanted and sometimes look it's not when you're out manned and it's a four on two and you're trying to run outside zone well that's not going to be a very successful play other times you might want to um you know put your right foot in the ground or put your left foot in the ground and hit that cutback you know on most runs there is a cutback lane sometimes there's two um depending on you know the front that you're seeing and so that is also to up to the to the running back to make that decision if a linebacker is crashing down stick that right or left foot in the ground and you hit your cutback lane and that cutback lane will lead to one inside or outside once you approach the secondary so i mean it, it, it's these are all things that you rep in practice you know i'll go back to that 75 yard touchdown run that damian pierce had is kind of like hey uh welcome to the nfl moment for damian it was within the first couple of three games of the season that 75 yard touchdown run i can't remember who it was against but he said, Man, that was a play that, you know, we'd worked on and sucked at in practice um, up to that point. And we called it and it worked out beautifully. And that's just kind of what they got. Well, <clears throat> I want, I, I regret now, but I wanted to ask him, is like, okay, well, did that play work against the front that you actually practiced it against? Or did that play work because, uh, of some freelance type of decision-making, or maybe it was somebody on that offensive line that just made a terrific block they typically hadn't been able to reach in practice. Sometimes you can ask your offensive line players to do things that they're simply physically not capable of doing. It's almost like asking Laramie Tunsil to pull, you know, from his left tackle to the strong B-gap. That big sucker ain't going to make it all the way over there and reach a linebacker. It might look good on paper, but it ain't going to happen. Okay? And so it's just little things like that. Sometimes you can draw it up and rep it in practice, and it works against, you know, uh, half speed. But you get into a game when everybody's going 100 miles per hour, and it looks like absolute you-know-what. So – um, I, I want to see the play that you're talking about, and I will actually actually talk to Damien about that in terms of, like, vision, decision-making, because one of the things that really led to his success so much earlier this season, Robert, is his patience and allowing the offensive line to set those blocks up and uh, really find the space there. He's, he's able to make guys miss, you know, when it's a one-on-one or a two-on-one, and he's putting his head down. It's another thing when he's got to, you know, really create his own space and get through that first wave on the defensive line.
1: Hey, I got some good news. Uh, if people missed it, the the Browns lost. So that helps the Texans, obviously, with the draft choice, 23 to 10 to the Bengals. Uh, Deshaun Watson, though, looked a little bit better, I guess, from the numbers. I don't know. What do you think of this? 26 to 42, 276 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 79.1 rating. Not, not bad. Uh obviously a big upgrade from last week. How many sacks? Uh three sacks it looks like.
0: Oh. Uh did he run the ball a lot?
1: Uh rushing yards, six carries, thirty-three yards, bit five point five per carry. He had a nine yarder in there.
0: Yeah. I mean <clears throat> you know, I I expect a guy like that to uh, you know, steadily improve, um, not really stay static. Um, you know I think he'd finished the, the game last week with a rating of like 53.5 or something like that which was actually just 0.1 better than the rating that Kyle Allen finished with I can't remember if that was final numbers but I remember looking at that like towards the end of the game at the very least and thinking wow <laughs> you know, what are we looking at here this is this has been kind of bad on both sides um I think it was last week maybe it was a couple weeks ago but um, yeah I mean I Damien I. Mean, I Damian, um, Deshaun Watson's really good, and I expect him to be really good as long as he's healthy for a long time. Um, and the, yeah, they're they're
1: five they're five and seven right now. They've got upcoming. The Ravens are next without oh. Lamar, uh, obviously. Then they've got the Saints, um, who you know they're not that good, and then the Commanders who've been playing really well, as we know, and then the Steelers who actually are playing a little bit better. So oh. those last two games. Um, you would think, are going to be a little tough because both of those are also road games as well.
0: Was that last week or two weeks ago where we had the return of Watson? Wasn't that last week? Yeah, last week. Okay. Yeah, so I remember ahead of that game thinking that, you know, going into that game, I think the Browns had like a 9% chance of making the playoffs. And it's like if they won against the Texans, the percentage shoots up to like 15 16%. And if they win, like, if they would have won or if they can win like four of their remaining six games, like they've got like a 60, 70% chance. And that's just based on what they're doing, never mind what anybody else in the uh, wildcard hunt is doing. So they just need to continue to win games. But I legitimately thought on paper, with Deshaun Watson, the Browns have a realistic opportunity to, at worst case, go three and three the final six games. And at best, four and two. Is that going to be enough to get them in the postseason? I don't think so, just based off of their really, really slow start. Um, as good as Jacoby Brissett was for them, they were just too up and down as a team. You know, the defense wasn't playing like that all season long. Their run game, um, you know, with their offensive line, I don't know if they'd been banged up or not, but it certainly wasn't looking like it was against the Texans for the bulk of the season. Um, So I, I think, you know, it's about next year for the Browns. You get Deshaun back in training camp. You make that smooth transition. There's no more suspension. You know, none of this uh, hoopla surrounding them. Um, they get their quarterback for the first time in full. So I think it's really about that. And I think he's going to be fine just so long as um, they put the weapons around him um, to, to help him be successful. And you just think about what he was here. And the Texans could have done so much more on both sides of the ball with him here, despite J.J. Watt. You know, saying they wasted one of his years. Well, it wasn't just that defense and it wasn't just coaching. I mean, they were missing quite a few pieces all over the place when Watson was here. They weren't done building. It would have been nice to see what it would have looked like as a final product.
1: Well, let's put a ribbon on this one. Texans, of course, lose 27 to 23. They're 1 <coughs> 11 1, 1 and 6 on the road. Uh, they've got the Chiefs coming up next. Mahomes. uh, That one's not going to be too fun, I would imagine. But we'll see if they play like they did today. Maybe they can make it interesting again. Um, But anyway, we'll uh, catch up with you as the week progresses. Keep an eye on the feed because we're going to keep coming at you with uh, shows all this week. Uh, Me and Sean will be back on Wednesday. Uh, We got Andy talking fantasy football and everything that's going on in the NFL and along with the Texans preview with them as well. So Definitely got that coming up and hope, hope, hope to get uh, Frank talking rockets at some point this week too. We'll see if we can get him as well. So uh, until then, hope everybody has an incredible weekend and an enjoy yourself as we uh, head into the holidays and we'll talk to you again really soon. Take care. You're listening to Houston sports talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.